Hey guys, G-Man here. Thank you so much for downloading this episode of the Bullpen Cart. Just a solo one, just me tonight, as Matty D had some uh, travel issues, but we will be back, hopefully, at some point in, let's call it the midweek, to do a full draft recap. But on today's pod, I talk about my experiences on day two of the draft. I wrote a post about day one. Also do the recap of the week in the Major League Baseball season and of the first month. Give out some awards, do some stadium snacks, some bleacher creatures, and uh, look ahead on the next week of the schedule. As always, though, please like, share, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Let your friends know. Provide us any feedback or send over any stadium snacks, bleacher creatures, players you want to hear us talk about. And, of course, enjoy Episode 10. Welcome to episode 10 of the Bullpen Cart, presented by ThunderBlogSports.com. I, of course, am Jordy Cannell, the G-Man here. Matty D, unfortunately, has been uh, traveling all weekend, so he's unable to do tonight. Uh, He was supposed to, but he, uh, of course, got caught up in all that uh, Northeast Corridor traffic, which, uh, if you live up here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But uh, So doing a solo pod tonight. But uh, yeah, this is the this is uh, episode ten, which is pretty awesome. Uh, technically, episode eleven in the feed. So, just a little housekeeping note: if you're unaware, uh, we primarily do these baseball-focused episodes, the bullpen cart within the feed, uh, the bullpen cart feed on iTunes. We uh, Matt and I decided to sprinkle in a few different episodes that are about special topics. I did my one about the top 10 Simpsons episodes a couple weeks ago. So if you like the Simpsons, go check that out. Matt and I are going to try to get together during the week and do one uh, wrapping up the NFL draft, which uh, I'll talk about a little bit in a second. But wanted to give you that idea. This is episode 10 of the baseball-focused pod, which we also sprinkle in a little sprinkle in, excuse me, a little sports here. But uh, you're coming in for baseball, but... You know, you like some other sports, too, if you're like us. So that's basically what the idea of these numbered episodes are. Special episodes are going to be about mainly focused on other topics. But nonetheless, it's it's something by us. Thunderblogsports.com, if you've never been to the blog, go check it out. Uh, Matt and I talk about a lot of different things, mainly sports, but also a little beer, a little TV, a little movies, sometimes music. So if you're into that kind of stuff, definitely go check out our our blog. I actually just wrote something about my experiences on Thursday night at the NFL Draft. I also went Friday, which I'll talk about in a second. But I wanted to start the show by talking about the stuff that's going on over at ESPN, or really Wednesday at ESPN. Um, If you haven't seen ESPN laid off about 100 employees, which is really sad to see. A lot of my favorite guys, both on-air talent and writers, got fired uh, you've heard, probably, if you're a hockey fan, heard ESPN doesn't care about hockey. We actually tweeted out ESPN doesn't think hockey's a sport. Uh, basically, what that means is they fired their writers. Guys like Barry Melrose are still there. John Butcher Gross, John Butcher Gross is still there. So is Steve Levy. So those guys on SportsCenter, they're still going to do it through the playoffs. But seeing guys like Scott Burnside, Pierre Lebrun get let go is pretty sad them and and Jason Stark of the the MLB coverage guys that I really like to excuse me really like to read Um, I'm battling allergies if you uh, can't tell which is why my voice sounds a little 
little gravelly, that's why. Gotta love this uh, springtime weather. But, uh, it, but anyway, back on point. Those those writers across those various different sports are pretty – they were a mainstay that I like to, to check out. In terms of ESPN content, me going on – going and watching their TV stuff has really drawn back in the last couple of years, as I'm sure it probably has been for you. But going on ESPN.com and reading various articles and seeing highlights there was something I did every single day. And to have some of those guys get fired and laid off is like losing a friend, at least in the short term. They're definitely going to land on their feet. They're all talented guys. Um, but really just wanted to talk about that a little bit because it is – Kind of reminds you, especially when you do stuff like this in a, in a podcast that's right now just a hobby. Uh, if anybody wants to sponsor it, I'm not going to say no, <laughs> or at least let me know. We can we can negotiate something, but you know, it just reminds you that that even though guys that you really look up to and and think they're always going to be there, they're not always going to be there, and uh, sort of a sobering thought, but. Anyway, <laughs> on more happy notes, uh, the draft, NFL draft, just wrapped up in Philadelphia. I went on Thursday night. Or, like I said, I wrote a post about it as soon as I got home uh, from the first round, which was pretty cool. Uh, went Friday night as well. It was a little, little more relaxed in terms of how that went. We didn't end up going until later because we had a, a much bigger group than me going down with my family friends on Thursday night. Um, but as anybody can imagine, and if you're my age or really, if you work getting out of work, figuring out what you're doing for dinner, figuring out how you're meeting everybody, it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, uh, and it doesn't get done right away. So it was really tough for us to make the seven o'clock start time, ended up getting there around nine o'clock and some of our friends didn't want to go because they thought it was going to be super crowded. It was quite the opposite. There, there were people there, but not a ton, which we'll get to how that ended up being even more beneficial than you might think in a second. But we got to go through some of the sights and sounds of it, uh, the various different exhibits they had. Didn't end up waiting in the line for the Lombardi Trophy. That was the only long line that we saw. But it was really easy to go right up, right up to the stage or right up behind the stage area. Uh, you had to be... You either had to have a ticket or be escorted into the area, which we ended up having. Uh, we were actually thinking about leaving pretty soon, and our whole group, about 10 of us, get approached by two guys in NFL shirts that come up to us and, and basically say, hey, we need some guys to fill seats. Do you guys want to do this? And without hesitation, we all go, yeah, absolutely. So they escort us into the stage area and tell us, get as close as you can. We put up a bunch of pictures and, and videos of this on our Instagram. Thunderblog Sports is our Instagram handle. So go check those out and see how close we were. I'll try to put a few up on the uh, the blog companion post that I do for these podcasts. But uh, it was pretty awesome being that close um, and took an already pretty awesome night and just cranked it up to 11. Um, but that was my experiences in the draft. I referenced this before, but Matt and I are going to try to get together later this week to talk about 
and recap the draft, give it a proper recap. So keep an eye out for that. We're going to try to do this. Let's call it midweek, but that can always, of course, change to uh, make sure you don't miss it. Go subscribe to the to the bullpen cart on iTunes and you will get that episode as soon as it goes up. Uh, excuse me. But one thing I did want to talk about on the draft, and this is how we're going to get back onto baseball, I'm calling it cross sports, is um, one guy, and it's actually not even a part of the draft, but Trey Griffey, who is the son of my favorite baseball player, Ken Griffey Jr., became an undrafted free agent signing for the Indianapolis Colts. Trey Griffey, Trey Griffey plays wide receiver, which was a position the Colts did not draft. So basically taking a flyer on this guy, seeing if it can work out. Uh, they already, If you play fantasy football, you know that core that they have at receiver. So he might be you know, another you know, guy deeper on the depth chart if he makes the team. But that was pretty cool to see. Figured I wanted to include that to get us back into baseball. Ken Griffey being my guy on the cover of uh, MLB 17, which I've been playing a ton of since I bought it a month ago. But going right into it, the recap of this past week, we're going to do hot teams and cool teams of both the week. And because it's April 30th, or at least when I'm recording this, we're going to do it of the month too. So my hot team of the week has got to be the Washington Nationals. They're actually my hot team of the month as well. Spoiler alert. But this week, you had Anthony Rendon's Sunday today, the 6-for-6 six six effort, uh, which we'll get into more in a, in a few minutes. You also had Trey Turner completing the cycle when they were out in Colorado. Nationals really took advantage of that. Uh, Coors Field atmosphere, which we, uh, we'll we get into the, the Little League name-calling that we've seen from a few other players. But the Nationals had a pretty awesome week. They went. They went out to Colorado, and then they were at home against the Mets, and they had a 23-5 win today. Uh, but Washington currently sits atop the major league record or major league standings with a record of 17 and 8, a plus or a plus 48 run differential with an astounding 170 runs scored. Which, to give you an idea, the next closest is the Arizona the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks at 141. The pitching has let up a bunch of runs, but they've made up for it in run scoring, which is, is a pretty big deal, and they're great on the road. 10-3 and three away from Washington, D.C. So they're my hot team of both the week and the month. My cool team of the week and month are different. Cool team of the week has got to be the Kansas City Royals, losers of nine in a row. They really, really can't figure it out. They, uh, they're they 2-11 away from Kansas City and have only played 10 games at home. Um, they're 5-5 five and five there at a record of 7-16. and 16. They are my cool team of the week. Um, we talked about this in the AL Central preview, that Kansas City could be up or down. And they, they have that slow start at times. But comparatively to the rest of the division and really the rest of the American League, they're really struggling to figure it out. And my cool team of the month is the other team that really has struggled to figure it out and has been battling the injury bug pretty much the entire season, and that's the Toronto Blue Jays. Team I picked to uh, make the playoffs as a wild card is doing pretty pretty 
poorly. They're sitting at eight and seventeen. So technically tied in terms of games back with the Royals. They're doing a little better hitting wise, but their pitching's been okay. They're losing players. Josh Johnson's on the DL right now. Uh, so they've had a rough April, rough go at it, and it'll be interesting to see how they can they can rebound, especially with how well the teams in the AL East are doing, particularly the the Orioles and the Yankees, who are tied for the division lead. The Orioles won today in extra innings to force that tie, but the the Yankees aren't any slouch either. They're mashing the ball, and we'll, we'll get to that in, in a few seconds. But um, those are my hot and cool teams. Another candidate could have been the Seattle Mariners a couple weeks ago, but they've started to figure it out. They are sitting at 11-15, and 15 and they're right in the mix with the A's and the Rangers in terms of the bottom of the West, and only five and a half back of the Astros. They've really stepped it up since starting out on a really, really slow pace, but they're moving along, so they at least get a, a most improved award for uh, the second half of April. But now... Going to only do the players of the week or player awards weekly. For those unfamiliar, I give out a a player that the, the various outstanding awards weekly, uh, and I name them after uh, characters from various different baseball movies. So the first one is the Roy Hobbs MVP of the week. Roy Hobbs, of course, being from The Natural, but that's got to go to Anthony Rendon. Uh, he's been he's had a great. Great season to start, but going six for six, like I talked about, three homers and ten runs batted in. He uh, is just really killing the ball, and he is certainly a prime candidate for player of the week. He uh, really, really is killing it. Um, Then moving on to the Billy Chapel. Cy Young of the week, Billy Chappell being Kevin Costner's character in the movie For the Love of the Game. For that, I'm going to give my award to Ivan Nova, if you remember that name, from the Pittsburgh Pirates. In two starts this week, he threw 16 innings, only let up one run, got two wins, 14 strikeouts, posted a .5 whip. And uh, like I said, I got those two wins for the Pirates, which is pretty awesome. That's seven hits and one walk to get that half whip point, uh, which is amazing, and a .56 ERA. But Ivan Nova, if you remember, he used to be a Yankee. Uh, he had some struggles and disappeared for a little bit and has really reemerged on the Pirates. Pirates having a pretty good week and have been doing pretty well themselves. There are no slaps in the AL Central. Um even though they're currently sitting in last place, but um, they're they're coming back around, especially with the way that the the Reds and the Brewers have continued their season. They started off pretty hot, which Matt and I talked about in terms of our surprises uh, a couple weeks ago. But the Pirates are turning it around. They played the Cubs this week, so that always kind of throws your record off when you're playing the Cubs. Um, They've regained first place in the Central. But certainly no slouch, despite being tied for last in your pretty great division, or at least great for the month of April, are the Pittsburgh Pirates. But moving on in terms of awards, going to look at the Henry Rowan Gartner Rookie of the Week. For those of you that don't know, and haven't seen Rookie of the Year. Henry Rowan Gardner is like a is a 11 year old who, after a freak accident, has a million dollar arm. 
And if you haven't seen that movie, go watch that as soon as you finish this podcast. But my Rookie of the Week, and the reason why I'm talking so much, is pretty easy to pick. It's Aaron Judge. Guy is absolutely killing the ball. Hit a lot of home runs. He uh, tied the rookie record in terms of rookie home runs for the month of April at 10 as part of a New York Yankee offense that, as Greg, the prophet Piatelli, called, is uh, is doing really well. They're tied, like I said, for the lead in the American League East, and if they hadn't lost today in extras to the Orioles, they'd probably be, or they would be, up two games to the Orioles for that division lead. But Judge is an easy pick for for that award. And if you don't have him on a fan, on your fantasy team and he's available, uh, go get him. It's really easy to do, or it should be at least if he's if he's available. But hit the waiver wire, submit in your auction bid, depending on when your your waivers are. Mine are on Saturday nights, which I always forget, which stinks. And we'll get to fantasy players in a second, but really quickly got to give the do the minor league minute and give my Crash Davis minor league player of the week. Basically, what I like to do is look at one league and focus in there. We've uh, covered the two AAA leagues, so I figured move down to AA. Going to look at the Eastern League, which is where the Phillies, Yankees, Red Sox, Pirates, Nationals, a lot of those Eastern Seaboard teams uh, play, or their AA teams, I should say, play in that that general area, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Virginia, New York, some Connecticut, little New Hampshire, but really focused in on, on that part of the Northeast. Um, so my so looking at this is a two division league of each division having six teams, uh, and the lead of the East is the Trenton Thunder, the Yankees Double A team, and in the West is the Pirates Double A team, the Altoona Curve. Other teams to look out for the Red and Fightin' Phils, the Portland Sea Dogs, the Phillies and Red Sox teams respectively, the newly named Binghamton Rumble Ponies, who are the Mets Double A team. They used to be the Binghamton Mets. And their stadium, Nyseek Stadium, pretty uh, pretty fun time if you ever if you ever up there. Uh, you also got the Erie SeaWolves and the Bowie Bay Sox of the Tigers and Orioles, respectively, or Bowie, excuse me, Bowie, Maryland, it's spelled Bowie like David Bowie. Um, and I recently learned it was pronounced Bowie. So there's your fun fact for random towns and how you pronounce them. But my Crash Davis, who is the catcher in Bull Durham minor league player of the week is going to be Jason Kryzan of those uh, <clears throat> eerie sea wolves, the Tigers double A team. Uh, Kryzan has only played 14 games, but he's batting 393, four homers and 14 ribbies. Uh, the most teams have played about 20 games for us Phillies fans out there. The guy to impress your friends. If you want to uh, talk about Phillies minor league players on the fight and fill is a guy, Andrew Pullen, who in tw- in 19 games is batting three 42, five homers and 15 ribbies. He's a left fielder. So uh, as you might know, we are, uh, Currently looking for a long-term solution there. Howie Kendrick, of course, being on the disabled list. So uh, he's probably not major league ready, but 
that's certainly a good sign to see. Um, but moving on to the jar of Billy Beans, which are basically fantasy value players. The way that I like to look at them, I pull up my Yahoo Fantasy League. Look at low-owned players who are playing pretty well. And you know, just give a couple couple recommendations there. If they're available in your league, they're probably worth picking up. Uh, a pretty pretty uh, surprising one that I think Matt and I talked about a couple weeks ago. But that's Brandon Phillips. He's batting 347. He only has two homers and nine ribbies, which on that Atlanta Braves team is okay. But that batting average and an OPS of eight, of 873 certainly something to keep an eye out for. In terms of Yahoo leagues, he's available. He's owned in 49% of them, so available in 51. So if he's a, if you're in need of a second baseman, not a bad option. There are some some guys that fill in some more numbers. He has five stolen bases, which for me is is pretty impressive considering how old he is. Um, good outfielders to look out for. Kevin Pillar is doing pretty well, of course, being in the uh, the. Blue Jays, the aforementioned Toronto Blue Jays. He has four homers, um, which is pretty good for that team. They're not scoring a ton of runs, which his eight RBIs speak to, but certainly a guy to maybe pick up, as a, depending on how many outfielders you have. Only see that he's in about a th- owned in a third of Yahoo League, so keep an eye out for him. A guy that we did talk about a couple weeks ago who's starting to get owned more and more in, in Yahoo Fantasy Leagues is Joey Gallo. Batting average is absolute shit at two, 2.11. The guy's got 16 homers, or 16 ribbies, and not, and jeez, I cannot read. He has seven home runs and 16 runs batted in. So some power numbers there. Third baseman, a lot of other options out there. But he's a guy that you might want to keep an eye out for. Because that average should go up, and if those power numbers can be sustainable, really good value. And right now, you might be able to get him for a low price if you're in an auction waiver wire like I am. He's only owned in 59% of Yahoo leagues. So if you're in a keeper league, you might be able to snag him for a low price now. So keep an eye out for the, for him. Those are some of the, some of the uh, Billy Beans that are inside my jar of fantasy value players. If you have any recommendations for players of the week, whether they be most valuable players, batting or pitching, minor leaguers, if you live in a minor league baseball town, you want to hear me talk about your team, or if you have a fantasy guy that's been killing it for you and your friends are pissed off that they didn't even think about getting him, send it over to us. Um, Facebook, we're, th- we're the Thunderblog, Thunderblig on Twitter. That's ThunderBLG in terms of the Twitter handle. The aforementioned Thunderblog Sports Instagram account. Send it over to us. We'd be more than happy to give you a shout and talk about your recommendations because uh, you know we we love to hear from you guys and any feedback that you have is always appreciated. For those that are the longtime listeners, now that we're in the double digits, of course, you guys have been great. And anybody that's new to the podcast, welcome. But moving on to one of my favorite parts of the week. Phillies talk. Phil's had a uh, an interesting week. Rained out Monday night, and then technically swept the Marlins. They won both games, uh, but the first game was rained out. So I, I don't like to think of it as a sweep, but the Phillies called it that, and I guess technically they didn't lose a game. 
But they completed a six-game winning streak and then went on the road Thursday out to L.A., and L.A. didn't go so well. They lost both Friday night and Sunday night and started to come back a little bit, could not complete it, and it looked like the reverse was going to happen to the to the Dodgers on Saturday night. Phillies were up 5-1 to one and ended up blowing that lead in the ninth inning, lost 6-5, and it was tough to see that. Um, still weird seeing the Phillies play against Chase Utley. He did pretty well today against them. That game last night stings. The Phillies, we've talked about this a little bit, of them looking for a permanent closer. It looks like uh, Joaquin Benoit is going to be their setup guy, which has been great so far. He's had a lot of scoreless innings, a lot of goose eggs. Um, but he, it's the closer needs to be figured out, and it's not something where we're expecting the Phillies to be in playoff contention this year. Nor is it something that, with all the TV money, when they decide they want to spend, can't necessarily be fixed that way. You know, somebody might hit the market, and if you want to spend the money there, you could. Um, I know a few of my friends disagree on that philosophy. Joe Sally is uh, the big proponent of that. My former Seattle friend, now in Philadelphia, uh, he really doesn't like that. Didn't like that the Red Sox did that with Craig Kimbrell, but. You know, if the opportunity presents itself, or even signing somebody for a little bit of a value, um, which I always appreciate. But the bats are, they're starting to come around. You're seeing guys raise their averages. A guy that's really impressed me recently is Freddie Galvis. He was really struggling at the plate. He had a couple homers, but nothing else to his name. Now batting 271. He's got three homers under his belt, including one uh, yesterday. 13 ribbies, which in a lineup where he's been moving up and down, he's been the eight hitter, he's been the two hitter, I think he's batted six a couple times. It's pretty respectable. He's third in the team in RBI behind Michael Franco, whose batting average is not so good at 213. But he has 21 ribbies. He's had a couple clutch hits. He had that two run single when me and Matty D were there against the Braves uh, last Saturday. Eight days ago. Cesar Hernandez, though, is is certainly the team MVP of the month. Batted 323, four homers, 10 ribbies. He's done great. Uh, he's struck out a ton. He leads the team in strikeouts. But for the way that he's batting, um, he uh, those strikeouts aren't necessarily the worst thing in the world. He He's certainly been, been great this season. Uh, of course, he's not a permanent solution. We got a lot of middle infielders, to, uh, you know, down in the minors, but we want to try to hold on to them, making their major league debuts as long as possible. And Cesar Hernandez and Freddie Galvis doing well certainly helps towards that goal. Odubel Herrera, he's been playing pretty well. Those power numbers are starting to come in for him. He hit a home run tonight or this afternoon, I guess. Um, the home run came at like 7.30 because they played in L.A. and started at 4.30, and I was at dinner while that happened, but um, <laughs> you don't need my personal life story. But he, yeah, those numbers are starting to come around. He's had the on-base percentage for most of the season, which has been nice, but you're starting to see him get on base more. He was striking out a ton at the beginning of the season. He actually is still second in the team behind Hernandez in strikeouts. 
starting to see those go down, starting to see the average come up a little bit, uh, starting to see a few more homers. Uh, you just want to see him in the three-hole have more than nine RBIs. So that's my thought there. But I think overall for the month of April, coming out of it at 11 and 12 and being tied for second place in the division is better than you would have expected and better than you would have hoped that this first month would have gone. So I'm happy there. They have a positive run differential, which I honestly don't think has happened since they started the 2014 season one and Oh, um, so that's something to be proud of. They, uh, it actually let up the second lead. They actually let up the least amount of runs in the division with a hundred in terms of, uh, the month of April, which is pretty impressive. They're actually second in the division in runs scored at 106. Nothing super impressive to write home about in terms of the majors, especially with the runs scored. But they're pulling out these close games, which they were doing last year, and then they started to flip on them. And judging on how this season, this series with the Dodgers went, that could be the case that it's starting to happen now instead of at the end of May. But positive run differential is a positive run differential. Um, and that's that's pretty great. But a, you know, a couple injuries that, that concern me are the possibility of what's going on with Aaron Nola. Uh, Greg and I talked a little bit of what's happening with Buckholtz and how he's out for the season. Greg was a little more happier about it than I was. I think mainly just because he was glad to see see Buckholz leave the Red Sox. But Nola's one that, that hurts me a little bit. He looked a lot better um, and was getting the job done. But it, it, it sounds like that he might be out for a bit more on that uh, to come. But the Phillies week looks to be difficult, to say the least. They... Travel to Wrigley for a week for a weekday series starting tomorrow. So immediately coming off a sweep against the defending World Series champs, the only thing that they that they have in their favor is that the Cubs are still playing right now. Uh, it's eleven o'clock Eastern time, and they play at eight p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. Uh, so. That's something, but they're still the Cubs. <laughs> uh, they play out there for four games, actually. Excuse me. Uh, three night games and one day game. I was looking at the, the 8 o'clock part of the calendar. But then they come home to face the Nationals. So seven games this week, no days off, Bill Belichick style. Um, so they'll they'll have to, to get it together soon. The good news is they have Jeremy Hellickson going on Tuesday, who's 4-0, leading the majors in terms of that record. But you got Velasquez going tomorrow, Eikhoff on Wednesday against a resurging Jake Arrieta at 3-1, Eflin Mania on Thursday afternoon. That's Zach Eflin, for those of you that don't know. Um, but then then they come home against the Nationals, so that's something to be concerned about with uh don't know how else to put it uh the nationals especially bryce harper love to play at citizens bank park so this week could be a potential two and five week and i hate to say that uh, but i'd rather be 
pleasantly surpri- surprised than disappointed. Uh, but that's that's the Phillies week, and now I'm going to move on to everybody's favorite part of the week, the stadium snacks. For those new to the program, I look for various different unique snacks that different baseball parks around the country offer, talk about them a little bit. If I get a chance to go out there, I'm going to try them. Uh, and one place that I've never been to before in my life, and I, I hope to go soon, and they're actually home next week when I'm visiting the fair city of Chicago. That place is Wrigley Field, and they have something that you probably have seen because this was on a lot of top ten lists in terms of the you know one of the best snacks out there to look out for for the 2017 season. But they have a they call it the Bow to the Park, which is a bow bun sandwich. Which if you're not familiar, it's a steamed bun that is usually found at an Asian restaurant. Um, you can find them Korean, you can find them Japanese places, Chinese places. Um, if it is, and if it is specific to one, please let me know. I've, I've seen it at a few. Um, I don't mean to offend anybody there. But basically this sandwich made with hickory smoked pulled pork, Asian sauce, which from the picture looks like some type of ginger colored sauce so maybe it's a ginger flavor not sure what asian sauce means if i do try it next week i'll let you know pickled daikon and carrot and uh, cucumbers and jalapeno relish which usually is referred to as asian slaw if you've had that that type of sandwich before it looks amazing i mean anything with steam pulled pork it's pretty great and with those types of flavors all coming together it's the fine makings of a great stadium snack they're really light really easy to eat so definitely that's something that, that matters a lot, too, at a baseball stadium where you're walking around a ton. You're out standing up with your beer, hot dog, bow bun sandwich. Uh, it's a little tough to eat a cheesesteak. So, you know, at a Phillies game, you you can get one, but you might want to eat it quickly in the, in the outfield. Um, so we also have some more of those bite-sized sandwiches, and you're seeing that come across the board in a lot of baseball stadiums. But definitely if you uh, go to Wrigley Field a ton, Definitely, you probably tried this sandwich, but if you haven't, go try the bow to the pork. Looks amazing. If I try it next week, I'll let you know how it is. But uh, if you do have a stadium snack or a bleacher creature, which we'll get to in a second, again, don't be afraid to send it over to us. We'll talk about it, give you a shout out. But now on to the bleacher creatures. For those who don't know what that is, is we look at the fans, those guys who might be a little too drunk or might be having a, a fun time at the game or even something as simple as a mascot being fun or you know quick, pretty cool things that fans do, whether they be just rambunctiousness or a passionate fan or a great group effort. And I have two that I'm going to focus on. One is non-baseball focus. The other is baseball. The non-baseball focus is of the Edmonton Oilers fans. Uh, For those that didn't see in the first round, the Edmonton Oilers in their first home playoff game in 14 years had a, uh, had the singer in the stands and basically sang the first line of O Canada, stuck the mic up and the entire stadium sang, sang the Canadian national anthem with them. Well, they did something similar tonight for their, First home playoff game of the second round against the Ducks. Uh, 
which they actually lost, unfortunately. But the national anthem singer sings the Canadian national anthem, then starts to sing the U.S. national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner, and the microphone didn't work. So he starts to basically wave in everybody to join in and starts yelling out, oh, or oh, say, can you see? Uh, you don't want to hear me sing, so that's why I kept that brief. But um, they absolutely killed it. They sang the entire national anthem. You can see some of the players mouthing it, al- mouthing it along with with them. Uh, so Canada set the bar. We might need to learn the Canadian national anthem and uh, try to beat that next year because we're de- us Americans definitely aren't doing it this year. As much as you want to give Canada shit for being too nice and you know anything else about Canada, they uh. Certainly showed off that hospitality. The only way that Canadians do. But the other bleacher creature I wanted to talk about on the baseball end of things is this little kid that didn't really like how the Nationals-Mets game went today. The 23-5 to loss. He can't be more than 10 years old. And I'm not sure where he learned this language. He might play a lot of Call of Duty on Xbox Live. That's going to be my thought. On where where he uh, got his uh, vocabulary, I'll leave it at that. But he wasn't very happy with the twenty three to five loss, and isn't very happy with Terry Collins or Noah Syndergaard either. So I'm gonna put that video up. It's it's on a lot of different forms of social media. Uh, I found it on the Barstool Instagram account. So if you follow Barstool Sports, you've probably seen it before. You might have seen it in a lot of other places. MLB memes. I saw threw it up there. But that's, uh, that's our baseball bleacher creature of the week is this 9, nine or 10-year-old Mets fan who really had a rough afternoon, it sounds like. <laughs> but uh, going to wrap things up, going to take a look ahead at next week for baseball. Going to look now at the, uh, the midweek matchups. And the one I'm, that I'm going to pick out is the matchup between the Cleveland Indians traveling to... Detroit to face the Tigers, specifically Tuesday night, which is Corey Kluber against Justin Verlander. That's going to be pretty great. You also got Orioles at Red Sox, which is on MLB Network that same night. But Cleveland and Detroit is is certainly one to keep an eye out for, especially considering where both teams are in the standings. Um, the Looking over now onto the weekend, starting with Cinco de Mayo, you got the Yankees visiting the Chicago Cubs. I say this a little selfishly because I'm hoping to get out there to Wrigley Field. Like I said, never been before. Certainly one to keep an eye out on, though. The Cubs now leading the NL Central after starting the season sort of on a 500 pace. They've really stepped it up. The Yankees, like we talked about, are playing extremely well. They're Greg's second-place team in the American League East in terms of where they're going to finish. Got that, got it right this time, Greg. Be proud of me. Um, but that's definitely the series that, I say, that I'd say say to look out for. Another one is um, between the American League or National League West leading Arizona Diamondbacks and Colorado Rockies in Colorado. The Rockies have had a little bit of a tough time at home to start the season. So that could be something where we see the Diamondbacks 
take a lead on the Rockies in terms of that in terms of the standings there. But certainly one to look out for. But I'd say Cubs and Yankees is the one that you should really keep an eye out on. Uh, but that's going to do it for this week. It's a shorter pod. The ones by myself are usually a little bit shorter. But like I said, if you do have any stadium snacks, bleacher creatures, players you want us to talk about, please don't hesitate to reach out to us either on Facebook at Thunderblog, on Twitter at Thunderblig, ThunderBLG is how you spell it out, or our Instagram account, ThunderblogSports.com. Or that's the website. Thunderblog Sports is the Instagram. <laughs> but go check out the website as well. Uh, we're probably going to have a good amount of posts coming up this week. Draft recap, a little basketball talk, maybe a little bit of hockey, baseball, of course, TV, movies, so on and so forth. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 comes out on Friday. Really looking forward to that. But that's going to do it for me here. This is Jordy Cannell for the bullpen cart. Have a good week, everybody.